And this morning we're talking about facing, facing the giants. We're talk, talking about how, how to face giants in your life or what, what happens when we face uh, different giants. And I'm going to ask if someone can get that. And, um, you know, I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to get into God's word. And, you know, I want to begin by, by sharing a story with you about how God's will just comes to fulfillment in our lives. And I didn't tell Don that I was going to do this this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I usually ask for her permission, but every now and then I like to surprise her. Uh, I'm going to share really quick before I get into the message how Don and I met, how Don and I got married, and how God's will was so powerful, so sovereign, that, that it just happened uh, in spite of the screw-ups and mistakes that I, I've committed or, or she, she did. Well, she never does. But anyways, uh, Don and I are both a class of 1987. We both graduated high school in 1987. We're at the same age. Uh, and I'm usually one of those guys that's fashionably late. I like to come in, you know, kind of late. And uh, we were supposed to begin college the fall of 1987, but I didn't. Uh, I joined the military. I went to basic training in Fort Dix, New Jersey. Uh, my wife is originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and her family moved to Louisiana to go to Bible college. And that's where I met Don. I met Don in Bible college. And I remember my first semester there, I was new, I didn't know anyone. I actually bumped into Dawn in a class. And uh, she sat in front of me. And I remember how she sat in her chair, she kind of put her, her leg under herself like that. And I said, man, that girl, I can just see that girl being really comfortable in the living room in front of a fireplace reading a book. That was the first impression I had with Dawn. And uh, she had recently come to the Lord. And uh, basically the, uh, pr- the president of the Bible school, his daughter... Her and Don were like best friends. And I said, wow, you know, check her out. She's, you know, best friends with the president's daughter. I'm a nobody. You know, I'm a Mexican kid from the inner city of L.A. Nobody knows me. And that was it. We met We met for just a brief instance. And uh, she tells me later that she wrote down my name in, an, in her notebook. She wrote down Eddie. And years later, she found that notebook with my name written in there. Uh, about a year or two later, uh, a girlfriend or two later, okay, <laughs> Uh, I had a class with her dad. Her dad was also going to Bible school. And in this class, uh, we had planned to go on a mission trip to Mexico. And I, I uh, you know, I didn't have any money, right? And her, her dad uh, paid my way to go on this mission trip. And they would always ask me to go along on mission trip to kind of interpret for the professors. If we went to a Spanish-speaking country, I would interpret for them in Spanish. So he paid my way. And I went up to him and I said, Tom, you know, thanks a lot. Thanks for paying my way. I'm really looking forward to this. This was during spring break. And being down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a lot of the young kids would head out towards Biloxi, Mississippi, or uh, the Panhandle of Florida uh, for spring break. And uh, that was basically my impression of a lot of the young people down there. You know, they wanted to go party. And uh, anyways, I said to Tom, thanks for doing that. And he said, are, are, you, are, are you going alone? And he says, no, my wife and my daughter are going with me. I said, hmm, your daughter, huh? I'd like to meet her. So anyways, fast forward, we're in the bus, we're on the way to Mexico, and uh, I'm sitting with a friend. Uh, she's from North Carolina. Don's sitting right behind me. And Don had this weirdest impression that me and that girl were married. She thought we were husband and wife. And uh, I remember Don, you know, sticking her head up from behind the seat and, you know, so our first night, we stopped in Texas somewhere, in a hotel somewhere. You know, all, we had chaperones and, you know, all the professors and stuff. And it was interesting because Don, uh, with her parents, her dad told her, Don, 
Today you have met your future husband. It was just like a prophecy. He just, he just told her this, and she didn't know what to make of it. Then the young lady who was sitting uh, next to me went up to Don, because they probably stayed in the same hotel room, and uh, she told Don, Eddie's going to be my husband. So she gets one word from her, from her dad. She gets another word from a, the girl. She goes, whatever. You know, so all this weird stuff's going on. We're like 19, 20 years old. You know, we, we, we don't know what we're doing. And uh, anyways, we, hit, we, we, we get into Mexico, and I'm translating for her dad. He's preaching the first sermon in a small church. And what really impressed me about Don is that uh, before the church service, I saw Don walking down a, 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 a dirt road with two little Mexican girls going house to house to invite people to church that night. And when I saw that, I said, you know what, I'm going to marry that girl, you know. And, uh, you know, fast forward, we, 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 we uh, dated for three years. And, uh, you know, during those three years, you know, we, we had a breakup. You know, we had, you know, a disagreement or something. And I remember I went into the, into the, uh, the college bookstore and I pulled out a book about Latin America, you know, because I have a burden, you know, for Latin America, for all things uh, Spanish. And I pulled out this book while I was broken up with her. And while I was looking through the book, there was a portrait of Dawn in the book. She had read the same book. Because her and I had the same heart. We had the same passion to serve God's people. And uh, even though I made a lot of mistakes and I goofed up, uh, by God's grace, we ended up getting married. And here we are 16 years later and we're still married, still serving the Lord. Amen. But there was moments when I could have made a mistake, she could have made a mistake, we wouldn't have listened to God's will. But God's will is so powerful that God just drew us together. And it was unstoppable. And that power, God's will, is working in your life today. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I know we could have a hundred testimonies this morning. So without further ado, I want to get into the message. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel. And we're going to be looking at five um, moments in the life of David, of King David, and how he faced certain giants. And everything I'm talking about this morning is, is connected and, and, and related to each other. And um, we're going to pray in just a couple of moments here. And I just want to say something right off the bat, while you guys are still paying attention and before you guys fall asleep on me. I want to say it right off the bat. One of the things that I realized about this message and preparing for this sermon is this, and I want you to pay close attention. If you forget everything else, fine. But remember this one thing, and I want you to take this home with you. Okay? Many times in life, we have the impression, human understanding, that when we face our greatest giant, when we face our greatest obstacle in life, it may be towards um, the end of our lives. You know, one day I'm going to be strong enough, I'll know enough, I'll be prayed up enough that I'll be able to face the greatest giant, you know, in life. And when you look at the life of King David, King David seemingly faced the biggest giant in his life when he was a young man. Now, who was the first giant that David faced in his, in his long, prolific life? Who was the first giant? Goliath, right? Goliath was seemingly the first big, most huge giant that he faced as a young man. He was literally a teenage boy when he faced Goliath. 
And when you face a giant like Goliath, when you knock him out the first round, you, you walk away from that experience maybe saying, well, after I've defeated Goliath, what's bigger than Goliath? After I've climbed Mount Everest, after I've achieved the most greatest thing where everybody wants to make me king, what's left? What's next? See, that's how we think. But the reality is that Goliath was merely the first giant that he faced in his life. See, King David didn't just face one giant. He faced several giants in his life. And guess what, folks? Each giant got harder and more difficult. Okay? And I had never looked at the life of King David in that way. You know? Human understanding, the way the flesh thinks, I think, well, as I get older and I get stronger and I get wiser, uh, the giants are going to get easier. You hear, you hear what I'm talking about this morning? Can you relate to what I'm saying? You know, I faced those giants when I was a young man. But I have everything planned. You know, everything's in its place. The wife, the kids, the job, the retirement. But the fact of the matter is, as the years go by in life, the little things in life that we take for granted ultimately become even greater giants than this Goliath giant. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into Scripture, and hopefully the Lord, through the power of His Spirit, will open up our minds and our hearts to receive these words. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, it is not through man's word, but it's through Your word. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit that you can give us understanding this morning. Lord God, I pray that you would just open our minds and open our hearts to receive your word. And Father God, I pray that your people this morning would be equipped to face and discern what the giants are in their lives and how to overcome those giants. And Lord God, just um, just help me to go through these verses. Uh, there's just so many incredible verses here, and I just pray that you would just speak through me. I ask you this now through Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. So we're in um, 1 Samuel. And if you look in your teaching notes, facing your giants, we're going to begin with um, the first point. David and Goliath, a defining moment in the life of King David. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. So we're going to be using our Bibles a lot here. First Samuel 17. And in your teaching notes, you have a fill-in. And the fill-in is, David's faith and trust in the Lord as a young man set the course for the rest of his life. David's faith and trust in the Lord as a young man set the course for the rest of his life. So how many of you will agree with me, just like we talked about last week, was... Uh, uh, Jonah and the whale, a defining moment in the life of Jonah? Yeah, right. Will we ever be able to separate Jonah and the whale? Those guys are stuck together. Is Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary also come together as a package? Will we be able ever to separate Jesus Christ and the cross? I don't think so. Will we be ever able to separate Adam and Eve and the fruit? Of the tree of good, of good and evil? No, they're stuck together. 
In the same way, David and Goliath will always go down in history. We'll always remember them into eternity. And what is so interesting about this story is that when David faced Goliath, it was the defining moment of his life. Okay? So round one happened to him as a young man. Now in our human thinking, in our fleshly thinking, you don't face the biggest giants in your life until you hit 40. Sorry, Ted, you just turned 40 this year. I turned 40 next year. You know? General Patton didn't face his greatest giant until he was what? 60 years old. Eisenhower. Ronald Reagan didn't become president until he was what? 70 years old. Okay? And look at John McCain. He's more than 70. So in our human thinking, in our human understanding, we think that we're going to face giants when we're old. But when you look at the life of King David, King David faced what seemingly appears to be one of the greatest giants when he was a young man. And what's so interesting about this story is that King David faced it rather quickly and rather easily. It it, it almost came across too easy. Okay? And here's the story. The people of Israel were battling against the Philistines. And Goliath was the greatest warrior, the greatest uh, soldier of the Philistines. And every day he would just come and scream out and belch out, you know, Oh, you Israelites! And uh, David was just a young, younger little brother taking care of the sheep. And Dad would send, um, you know, David with the snacks and the juicy fruits to take to the brothers that were fighting the war. And then the brothers would get all jealous with David and say, You know, what are you doing out here? You just come to see the fireworks. You know? So King David, seemingly with not a lot of preparation, you know, just shows up. So how many of you realize that when you face a giant, they come to you unexpectedly? Okay? When giants come in your life, when obstacles come, when when something huge, a defining moment happens in your life, you don't have it planned, you don't have it expected. See, my wife and I, for our first child, Rachel, today's her birthday, she turned eight today, for our first child, man, we had it all planned out. You know, their nursery, you know, we have the little uh, suitcase packed, and we have her little first outfit, and on such and such a day, we're going to go to the hospital, and we're going to bring the baby. And guess what happened? Baby came way early. I remember it. It was, uh, it was really early in the morning, and they come rushing into the room. We have to deliver the baby by C-section right now. You know, at that moment, you know, wow, I'm facing a giant. You know, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a person of faith. And what am I going to do in this moment? Peace and calm. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Everything's going to work out. And guess what? Everything worked out. And when it was time to bring mommy and the baby home, of course the nursery wasn't ready. We didn't have anything ready because it happened so soon. How many of you have faced those giants in your life? How many of you facing those kind of giants right now? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And those giants just appear out of nowhere. And many times we think, oh, i got time to get ready for the giant. You know, I'm going to school, I'm doing push-ups, I'm doing sit-ups, I'm working out like Rocky. You know, I'm getting ready for the big fight. Uh-uh, uh-uh. When the giants come to you, when temptation comes to you, they just come to you. When you're in that dark alley, you're not expecting it. So either you're ready or you're not ready. So this young man, David, comes to his brother's. Seemingly, very easily, he defeats this giant. He comes bringing this lunch and he overhears the giant saying all these ridiculous things about the people of Israel. And David is upset. 
David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who does this guy think he is? And without even thinking, as a young man, a young kid, he's just ready to fight, he's just ready to do battle, he goes, I'll take him on. So probably everybody's saying he's just young, he doesn't know anything. But David just had this incredible faith and trust in the Lord. It was just a a young and innocent, pure faith and trust he had in the Lord that the Lord was going to take care of everything. He believed, basically he believed God's Word. Okay, so how many of you know that you can get a lot done if you believe God's Word? If you really don't believe God's Word, you're not going to be able to face anything in life. If your life is truly based on this Word, you can move mountains. But if you loosely believe what's in here, you're not going to get a lot accomplished. So David uh, goes against Goliath, and he says, I come with you in the, against you in the name of the Lord. He chops off his neck, his head off his body. He comes to King Saul, and he presents this, this incredible thing that he did. And uh, he faced this giant so young, so easily in his life. And one of the secrets about the life of King David is that he, he himself said, when I was a young man, when I was younger than I am now, taking care of the sheep, that he would easily slay the bear, he would easily slay the lion. So facing the lion and facing the bear prepared him for this incredible uh, encounter with Goliath. In other words, all of you have been prepared for battle. All of you have faced lions and bears in your life. God has already been preparing you. And many times in the flesh we think, well, it's my education that's prepared me. You know, many times we put our faith and trust in degrees, don't we, folks? Right? Well, it's my salary. It's my high salary. It's my job that's prepared me. Right? Or it's my incredible upbringing that's prepared me. You know what? God has been preparing you and working in your life in so many different ways. He's been preparing you to face these giants. So King David faces this incredible giant, Goliath, and he defeats him. Now, does the story finish there? Does the story finish there? Could the story finish there? I mean, if you went to see this uh, in Hollywood and paid 10 bucks to see this movie, a Hollywood movie would just end right there, right? He defeats Goliath. There's incredible special effects. It's incredible gladiator, 300-type scenes. It's awesome. And Hollywood movie, they just finish. But for us this morning, that is just the beginning of the story. It is just the beginning of the story. And the fact of the matter is that David is going to face bigger and tougher giants in his life. This Goliath was relatively easy. It was quick. It was fast. It was easy because the next ones that he would face would get even harder. So does this encourage you or does this discourage you? Huh? What does this do to you? So what is this that you're saying, Pastor Eddie? You're saying that when we defeat a giant in our life, we move on and we have to deal with and contend with a more difficult giant, a more difficult issue? Uh, uh-huh. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow me. Right? In this world, they will hate you and persecute you. If they hated me, they will hate you. So let's move on to the next giant that he faced. Uh, number two. David faces the giant of jealousy. 1 Samuel 18. David, this is the fill-in, chooses not to do to Saul what he did to Goliath. So let's look in um, uh, chapter 18 of 1 Samuel. Okay. Let's go down to verse 10. 
Now you know about the song that they sang to David, right? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So Saul is the king of Israel. Verse 10. The next day an evil spirit from God or an injurious spirit from God, uh, we can have discussion or debate about what this means later, came forcefully upon Saul. Okay? He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. He sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Does this seem to you as a major giant in the life of David? Is this a major giant? This is a huge giant. If you read 1 Samuel, you read about Samuel, I mean about Saul and David, it goes chapter after chapter. Chapter 19, chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 23, chapter 24. I mean, this interplay between David and Saul goes on and on for years. Goliath was easy compared to Saul. And this is the thing. David was... Um, See, I'm going to use one of these mic stands. I'm going to pretend it's a spear. So Saul was a very arrogant and proudful king. And I can just picture Saul sitting in his throne. And the Bible says that he had a spear in his hand. That's the kind of king Saul was. He was probably paranoid. He had a lot of fear, right? He was always ready, ready to strike, right? That, that's Saul. Picture that in your head. That's what the Bible says. Saul just happened to have a spear in his hand. I mean, if you went home and your husband always had a shotgun in his hand or a gun in his hand, what, what would you say? You know, what, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? That's the kind of man Saul was. He had a spear in his hand. And then you have King David over here, or not, he's not king yet, and he's playing the harp. How harmless is that? Man, if I saw some guy playing the harp, I wouldn't be afraid of him. But, but, this musician was also a warrior. David had, had slew Goliath rather easily with five little stones. Okay? So what happened was that Saul was jealous of David and Saul would throw spears at David. And he didn't know who he was messing with. I mean, David was more than Bruce Lee. David was more than Arnold Schwarzenegger. David was more than Russell Crowe and Gladiator. I mean, don't mess with David. David took out Goliath. But how did David react to this incredible giant of jealousy in his life? Did he get mad at Saul? Did he say, I'm going to take care of you the way I took care of Goliath? No. The Bible says that David eluded the spear. He just got out of the way of the spear. He got out of the way of the rocks. He got out of the way of the insults. He got out of the way of all the negative and bad things people would say to him. And many times, when people come against us, when people criticize you, they insult you, they try to use you, manipulate you, they're rude to you. What do you want to do? What do I want to do? How do, I want to, how do we want to respond? 
I'm going to get them. I'm going I'm to show them. I'm going to give them a piece of me. How did David respond? Okay? What did Jesus teach? Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Forgive your enemies. What did Jesus teach? Right? Pray for those who hurt you and abuse you. So this is something that David walked. This is something that he lived. And I know that there are some people that we like to do damage to. I know that. Right? A couple of years ago, there was this certain real estate agent that I didn't really get along with. And, uh, you know, he sold us our house. And he didn't really fulfill some of his promises. Okay, does that surprise you? Uh, anyways, I don't want to say anything about real estate people because I know we have some here. Okay, I know you're good. You're good. But every night when I would take out the trash, it was really dark. And he would take, he lived there too where we live. And we, we would always meet up at the, at the trash bin. And it was really dark and there was bushes there. And I would come back to Don and say, Don, I know I'm a pastor. I know I believe in God and I pray and I, I've never heard a fly in my life, but there's just something inside me. There's like murder in my heart. What is it, Don? And I realized I'm a man. I'm a sinful man. And then I realized, no wonder God gave us the Ten Commandments. We need it. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. We need to be reminded. So, you know, but here David walked this incredible walk. And this went on for years between him and Saul. I mean, David was on the run. You know? He was in caves. He dealt with hunger. He dealt with so much pain and discomfort. And... Um, I just want to show you a, a part of, of, of what he did here um, <clears throat> when he found um, when he found David in the. Just give me a second. I want to show you this passage. <clears throat> Look at chapter twenty-four of First Samuel. Go to verse eight. Verse 8, Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, uh, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David has been on harming you? This day you have seen me with your own eyes, how the Lord has delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urge me to kill you. But I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master, the king, my boss, because he is the Lord's anointed. David was a man of integrity that walked the walk. Look at these incredible giants he's facing in his life, and it's not getting easier. Goliath was nothing compared to this other stuff. The third um, giant he faced in his life. Okay, David faces the giant of Bathsheba. Okay. And the fill-in for point number three is David chooses to face the wrong giant. Okay? He chooses to face the wrong giant. So let's go to first, Second Samuel chapter 11 in your Bibles, please. Second Samuel chapter 11. I think a lot of people have wondered or discussed, you know, why did David fall into this adulterous trap? Was he working too many long hours? Uh, he, he, uh, his wife hadn't read the book, His Needs, Her Needs. You know, uh, what, why did David fall in this adulter, uh, adulterous trap? 
You know, many people have argued and discussed this. You know, why do men fall into adultery? You know, is an addiction to pornography, the internet, uh, someone attractive in the workplace? What, what's going on, David? Well, I believe that the answer is right here in God's Word. Second Samuel chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, what do kings do in the springtime? Where do, what do springs, kings do during the springtime? They go where? Go to war. What was David supposed to do? He was supposed to go to war. Okay? That was the giant that he was supposed to face. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So basically David was off focus, off mission, and off purpose. Okay? So maybe after facing these two incredible giants, Goliath, and then, you know, the king of Israel, Saul, maybe he just says, I need to rest. I need to take a break. I mean, it's been a hard, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. I've won a lot of battles. You know, I'm just going to take a vacation and take a break. Do we ever take a break or vacation from life or ministry? No, you, you can't. You know, you always have to be, what does the Bible say in Timothy? Be, be ready in all seasons to preach. You gotta be ready. So he went off focus. He was not focused on going to war. He just stayed back. And he got himself into trouble. He was bored. How's that word? One evening, verse two, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. What, he says, uh, maybe a little bit of insomnia, right? Some people would say that insomnia is uh, something that goes along with depression, maybe. You know? So we can try to analyze this all, all we want today. And I know we have some people here with psychology background, so you can uh, tell us more about this later. So one evening, David got up from the bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. And I think a lot of you already know the story. You know, the husband was a soldier, and David said, you know, I want you to go sleep with your wife, go home to cover up the pregnancy. And what did Uriah do? He didn't go home. He stayed with his men. And uh, look at this incredible verse here in verse 11 of chapter 11. Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my master Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open fields. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? Isn't Uriah a great guy? What an incredible man of integrity here. He actually was a lot like David. Because David also loved the ark. He loved God's presence. So he was a lot like David. And ultimately, you know the story, uh, David sent this man to the front lines, and that man was killed. That man was killed. So David had committed adultery, right? And he had committed murder. And then God sent to him the prophet Nathan in chapter 12, right? The greatest, one of the greatest giants that he ever faced. And, and for the first time here, David got down on his knees and he cried and he asked forgiveness and he repented to the Lord and he said, forgive me for this incredible sin that I've committed. 
So we've, we've gone, my friends, from Goliath to King Saul and jealousy, and we've gone all the way down to adultery and murder. David has come a long ways. No, my friends? David has come a long ways. Have the giants been getting easier in his life or harder? They've been getting harder and harder. And like I said before, I'm middle-aged, so I have, uh, you know, I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through. I got, the, I got the second half to go in my life. And my first reaction, you know, talking to this message with my wife, I said, Don, guess what? The giants we're going to face in our life are going to get harder. They're not going to get easier. You know? They're going to get harder. They're going to get easier. They're not going to get easier. They're going to get harder. But through it all, God is preparing us. He has given us the faith, the discernment, the understanding, the integrity to face those giants and come out as champions, every one. And if our attitude is just to sit back and relax and put our hands in our pocket and go like this, oh, I got it made, you know, I got this great job, I got this great scenario, I got this great situation. If that's what our attitude's going to be, what's going to happen? Huh? That's not what our attitude should be as children of God. That's not what our attitude should be as men and women of God this morning. You know, if God has called you, and He has called you, but if you want to be that warrior, that soldier for the Lord, to do great things, to make a difference in this world, get ready. That's why Jesus Christ and all the apostles said, pray, pray without ceasing. Be prepared. Give it all to the Lord. Sacrifice. Live a life of sacrifice. Get ready for battle. Right? Live like a soldier who's in the army, who's focused. You know? And uh, one analogy that I've used over the years, and a lot of people have liked about it, is the one, are we a cruise ship or a battleship? Talking about the church. Are we a cruise ship and a battleship? You ever been on a cruise? See, the purpose, the purpose of the people on the, on, on, on the cruise, cruise ship is to be served. Right? But what's the purpose of being on a battleship? All of us have a position. All of us have a post. We all have a job to do. So life is not a cruise ship. And I think there are some folks today that just want to sail through life and they just want to enjoy all the nice things and all the gadgets and the materialistic things and be as comfortable with the air conditioning and have everything so nice and our neighborhood so clean and manicured. But do we realize that we are pilgrims in this world? Do we realize that this world's going to hell? Do we realize that we're here to make a difference? To see lives changed, to see life people, people's lives transformed. Okay? And if that is your attitude, you know, the giants are going to get bigger, but God's going to prepare you for them. Uh, number four. I'm going to go through these last two really quick here. Um, number four. David faces the giant of family dis- dysfunction. Oh, it gets even harder. Okay? And the feeling is David chooses confrontation over consequences. David chooses confrontation over consequences. And the reference is in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 21. And I'll tell you the story here because we don't have time to read all of it. So David has sons now. He has sons. He has Amnon. He has Absalom. He even has daughters, Tamar. And Amnon 
commits a, a, a very foul sin with his half-sister Tamar. Okay? And Amnon actually goes to David. David, uh, father, can you send your daughter, my sister, to come and take care of me? And for some reason, David lacked a discernment. He lacked a discernment to know what this son was up to. So when they come and tell David what happened between Amnon and Tamar, the Bible says that, look, you, you can read it later because we just don't have the time to go into it now. The Bible says that David was furious. He got mad. But he did what? What did he do? He did nothing. Okay? And if you've studied boundaries or you've read the, if you've read the book Boundaries, have taken the Boundaries class, one of the key things we learned in Boundaries is that as parents especially, it's not just about confrontation with our children, it's about consequences. And so many times I've met with uh, families and parents of, of teenagers and children, and they come to me and they say, well, my child disobeyed and I got so upset, and we had a big meeting, and then we went, we talked for four hours, and we got so emotional, it was such a huge confrontation. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What were the consequences? What do you mean consequences? Yeah, what were the consequences? Well, we didn't make any consequences, but we just had a big blowout. We had a big meeting. So these blowouts, these confrontations, these big meetings, these big show of emotions, what do they accomplish? Nothing. What really accomplishes things? Making boundaries, setting limits, making consequences. So when they came to David and they told David what happened between Amnon and Tamar, what does the Bible say? David became furious and emotional. What did he do? Nothing. So then one day, Absalom, another son, tells David, I want to invite Amnon over for a beer. What does David do? No discernment. Go ahead, take him off for a beer. I can't go. What do they do to Amnon? They kill him. What does David do? (gasps) Oh no, he got on his knees, he tore his clothes off. And then his brother comes and says, David, chill out, man. They just killed Amnon. They didn't kill the other guys. So then he gets up, and what does he do? Nothing. He sends Absalom away, right? And then what does Absalom try to do, his other son? He tries to take away the kingdom from David. And what does he do? Again, nothing. So he was unwilling to face this giant dysfunction, this giant of this family dysfunction in his life the way God wanted him to. And, 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 and the end result is, is that Absalom died. He forgave him. David was able to maintain the throne. And then the last one, because I want to leave you on a positive one here. Uh, <laughs> number five, David faces one last giant. Okay, And this is the fill-in. It was David's son Solomon who built the temple. And it's important for us to read this. Let's just read this one last scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Okay? This is the heart of David. This is his heart right here. 2 Samuel chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. 
that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, etc., etc. So basically that's when David got the idea to build this incredible temple for the Lord. That was one of the other great giants that he faced in his life. And what happened was, is that David got old. He never built that temple himself, but he handed it off to his son Solomon. And Solomon carried out that wish. Solomon carried out that dream. His son Solomon faced the giant. He conquered the giant. And he built that incredible temple that has gone down in history. So let's just take a couple of moments to reflect. And then we're going to ask the ushers to come forward and uh, collect the morning offering. So as we reflect right now, I know you want to prepare yourselves for offering as far as uh, what you're going to give in your communication card. But probably at the beginning of the sermon, you said to yourself, Man, I wish I could have a life like King David. Man, I wish I could be a big hero and a big shot like David and conquer Goliath and take out those stones and cut his head off. Wow, that's awesome. I want to be that kind of champion. How many of you now want to trade spots with David? Right? But you know what? His life is no different than your life. His life is no different than my life. You know, we all have faced giants. We are all in the midst of facing giants. Right? We're facing them right now in our lives. And relationships are calling, whatever the case may be. And through it all, God is teaching us something. He is revealing things to us. He's, he's giving you the strength and the faith and the fortitude to confront those giants in your life and to overcome them, not to give in to them with foolishness, not to make bad decisions about marriage and children and future and calling. We got to put all these things in the hands of God. So let's go to the Lord now and let's pray, and we're going to ask the ushers to come forward, and we'll also pray for the offering that we're going to collect.